Are you plugged in, Chris? I am plugged in. Welcome to the Plugged In Podcast. This is Chris from Twitter. I'm Joe Hawks. How you doing, people? The people are doing good. Before we start, go ahead and follow us on Twitter at Plugged In PCast. You can follow me at Chris C underscore Hustle. That's Hustle spelled H-U-S-S-L-E. And also you can follow me at JLHB510. Again, that is, that's at JLHB510. All right, Joe, that's going to transition us into the very beginning of our show, which is a recap of the unfortunate Niners loss in Super Bowl 54. Yep, LIV 54. It's, you know what, it's almost been a week now since pretty much the, the, the end of the Super Bowl was played. Um, to be real with you, I was really over the, the loss Pretty couple much. hours, couple hours after. A few hours. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I really, it really hit home when I saw Kansas City uh, receive the trophy, and I mean, it was a gut punch. I mean, twenty to ten, with seven and seven change left, seven minutes and change left. It just, I wasn't expecting the Niners to lose that game. I really wasn't. You know, the funny thing too is that I, I, so I picked the Chiefs, and I'm not saying that to say like I told you so, but I'm saying that in a way that like I picked the Chiefs because I didn't want the Niners to win. I actually thought that they were going to win, but I like I was more so like I wanted the Chiefs to win, but I also was kind of rolling with Patrick Mahomes. Like I was like I'm not going to be the guy who picks against Patrick Mahomes, but just you know from the onset of the season like. You know, maybe not the first couple of weeks, but once, you know, you kind of saw that the Niners were for real in terms of like, you know, was it 7-0, 8-0, however long it took for them to lose their first game. Uh-huh. Like they were just, they were a dominant team. And then, you know, they got healthy at the right time. And then it was just like the moment was there. And, um, you know, it, the moment was there. And unfortunately, things just fell apart. Yeah. I mean, it really was a, just a, it really was a serious gut punch. I mean, they were up 20 to 10 had had the game pretty much in there and for the most part in control and it really it really came to a head really when the Niners couldn't take advantage of that uh, Patrick Mahomes second interception he threw uh, pretty much they had a punt right after that yeah man um, you know what what do you who do you think deserves the most blame for the loss, man? I mean, to be real with you, I mean, you can, you can, everyone has, you know, mud on their hands. Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy Garoppolo, Robert Sala. Um, I mean, even John Lynch. You could see, remember seeing him um, being, you know, the, the pan to him, and he's crying, trying to call, have, you know, tell Kyle Shanahan to call a timeout right before halftime to kind of keep the momentum alive. And the Niners had like, three timeouts in a minute and a half almost uh, before before halftime. Um, to be real, uh, Kyle Shanahan deserves a good portion of it. Jimmy Garoppolo does. Um, you could throw the little blame on the defense, but I thought the defense played really, pretty much really good throughout the whole entire game. They held Kansas City Chiefs, one of the better offenses, just 10 points in almost, what, 50-something minutes? 
And I, I mean, I think regardless of like so st- season statistical categories, I think the Niners were listed as the number one offense. They were be- yeah, offensively, they're be- they were t- statistically, statistically, right? Yeah. And so I think like I don't think there's any doubt in anybody's mind that Kansas City has the best offense, mm. most explosive offense, the, the offense that sure. can score up points in a hurry and probably whenever they want, whenever they you know. Um, are playing like they have some sense. Like, they Seriously. are the team yeah. that can score when at will. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, I kind of wanted to, to, to just go back to what you said about Kyle Shanahan, the possession before halftime. Yeah. Um, I, I think that was something that was under heavy scrutiny. What would you think of that? You know, I mean, the fan of me when I was watching the game live was wondering, you know, let's put the let's, – let's just go for – let's go for some points here. You know, I was thinking, like, you know – they got a minute and a half left. They're not a they're not a real big play explosive offense where they score in like three or four plays. So really, they could have taken that whole entire uh, la- la- minute and a half and maybe driven down the field. They don't get a touchdown. That's fine. Kick a field goal. You have the momentum going into the halftime. Um, thirteen. It would be thirteen ten instead of tied at ten ten at halftime. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't. I kind of understood what he was doing in terms of just like. Milking the clock, sure. Going into halftime, zero zero. Mm. You get the ball after halftime. It's a brand new game, sure. and you're you're gonna basically have a chance to to get on top, yeah. right? But I also get the point that against the Chiefs, an offense as prolific as he wasn't trying to give them an extra possession. Yeah. The, well, well, not that, but I, I just feel like you have to capitalize on every single possession. You can't give possessions up. You yeah. can't you can't concede anything to the Chiefs. I think the way that the defense was playing in the first half, they were okay. They gave up ten points. Um, they were actually getting at and they were hitting uh, Patrick Mahomes. They were getting the, the defensive line. Were, were, yeah, were, were, were getting to him. The but. defense came out. They were hungry, and so the thing was, I was like, you know, take a couple shots, try to get some better better yardage to to get down the field. Sure. Um, you know, but you come out, you run the ball a couple of times, and you're just like, ah, whatever. Like, we don't care about this possession. We'll it's get the ball. It's almost like, you know, they, like, you know, you're right. It's not like you th- they threw away that they were throwing away uh, maybe both two possessions, really, the right before halftime, and then they got the ball right at ha- uh, right to begin the third quarter, and they didn't do anything with it. So, it's almost looking like they may give, like I said, giving up on two possessions, and, and against Kansas City, you can't do that because. Because yeah, they they can score at will. I mean, look at it. They pretty much put on twenty one unanswered points in the fourth quarter. So that right there shows you that they can score really at any time at and at will. Yeah, and I, I think it's. I mean, I think it's always a popular thing to pick and point one or two individuals sure. when it comes down to a game like this. And you know, I'm you know the, the person that's not shy about bringing up. How much money Jimmy G makes, but I think all in all, twenty-seven like, million, right, Chris? Exactly. You you know how much he makes, yeah. but but I think it boils down to the offense. And so, yeah, when you think about the offense and the people who lead the offense is Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think it's one or the other. I think it's both of them. Like I yeah, think they're married to each other. I think yeah. Jimmy didn't really give Kyle Shanahan much of a reason to trust him with the you know the eyes closed interception and. You know, some, some, some spotty throws, balls getting batted down at the line of scrimmage. And then Kyle Shanahan, he, you know, I think he kind of got away from what got them there. The the run game got them some yards, but later in the game, um, you know, I think he was doing a, 
he was playing he he was complicating things for himself like i think he tried too too hard to keep the chiefs guessing that it just you know like it old school football is you know power we're coming oh, through the a sure, gap sure you know we're coming through the a gap mm-hmm. you know I'll, I'll see you there yeah and we'll see what happens right right and so so i think he got away from that where it was just like all right you guys think we're coming through the a gap and so we're gonna play action or we're gonna throw a pass and it's gonna get batted down um there there were just some 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 very questionable calls um a lot of times you know it's you know it's easy to to say things are questionable after sure you see the result, uh-huh. um, but when you see the result, you can say that, you know, maybe it wasn't the right call, but it didn't work. No, and 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 and, and to your point, I mean, it's true. So, for instance, like the Niners only ran the ball, you know, as a team, they ran it fifteen plus another seven, twenty-two times. So they ran they ran the ball twenty-two times and for one hundred thirty-one yards. Raheem Mostert had that many carries by himself 220 yards and four touchdowns in the NFC championship game. So right there, it seems like to me, everybody, you know, going into the game, going into this, you know, to the Super Bowl, everybody was thinking like, yeah, the Niners are going to should rely on what's got them there. The running game was what helped them yeah. pretty much run all over people. But I think there was a, there was a little bit of me that believed that Kyle Shanahan wanted to show people that Jimmy Garoppolo could win the game if need be, put the get, put the game in his hands. If he he need, and he could win if he had to, but if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, so like I think the Niners, if they if they they shouldn't have gone away from the running game. I mean, uh, it it you know we could say that right now. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, whatever. But I just think that the really if the Niners could have could have maybe run the Raheem Mostert a little bit more, even given or given. Uh, um, Matt Breida some opportunities. He didn't even get on the field. This maybe just for a special teams play, but he didn't play. Um, Tevin Coleman had five carries for 28 yards, but he wasn't really a factor. So I can understand why they wanted to go ahead and throw the ball, but I still think that that when you look at it, that they deviated from running the ball like more like they should have. One one of the things that that I was conflicted about was that there was a contingent of people that said that Raheem Mostert should have gotten the ball more. While I do agree that you should ride the hot hand, let's look at his season numbers. So throughout the course of the year, week one, nine rushes, week two, 13 rushes, 12 rushes, seven rushes, four rushes, zero rushes, nine rushes, one carry, six rushes, six rushes, six rushes, 19 rushes, 10 rushes, 14 rushes, 11 rushes, 10 rushes in week 16, week 17. Uh-huh. And so, I, I mean, I did the math. And so he averages about nine point, I think it's 9.7 carries a game. And so I think it's one of those things where this was the formula that they, they used throughout the course of the regular season. And, and even in the playoffs, he had 12 carries for 58 yards against Minnesota. The Green Bay game where he had 29 carries for 220 yards, was an, carries, it, right. it, was, it, was an, it was an outlier game. And so it wasn't, you know, indicative of what, what they've been doing the whole year to get them to right. that point. And yeah. so when I think it's contradictory when, say, when people say do what got you there, they ran the ball. He got the ball 12 times in that game, which was pretty much on his average. It exceeded yeah. his average according yeah. to the numbers, yeah. Yeah, and so, so they, they did what got them there. Um, I think it was one of those games where, like, you and I had so many conversations over the course of the year in terms of, like, the games that Jimmy G's had. Yeah. This kind of falls in line with 
you you remember what I was saying? Like he has spectacular games, or he has like the games where he has you know a couple of glimpses of 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 things that he can do and do really well. But then he also has like you know the Jimmy Ono throw where he closes his eyes and throws the interception. Yeah. I don't really count the interception at the end of the game because at that point you gotta you have to take that was down just, the field. that was that was a hail mary type of shot. Yeah. 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 And so I I, I mean. You know, it, the, the blame is to spread around with a lot of people. I, I mean, one of the things that really caught my eye was a missed opportunity for him to be immortalized with the, uh, everybody talks about it, the, the missed throw to Emmanuel Sanders. You know what? And and, and it's funny you bring that up because because pretty much, if, if you really look at it, Jimmy Garoppolo is a, is a rhythm quarterback. I mean, there's times where when he's, on he's completing every single pass and i think there's times where just in the game he really wasn't like totally comfortable yet so he wasn't really in the ry- rhythm yeah. so that throw to emmanuel sanders i thought you know he just kind of let that thing go a little early but also if you go back and look at the play and and i and i saw that and when i saw it in the play a uh, lot happened live it looked like emmanuel sanders kind of slowed up originally off like when he hit the uh when he as he was going to the uh, to the post, it kind of looked like he slowed up. And if and, and let's face it, if Jimmy G, you know, doesn't overthrow Emmanuel Sanders by five yards, if he underthrows him, maybe he gets a pass interference call or something like that there. But Jimmy G would have had that partic- you know, that that iconic Super Bowl play that every you know w- most winning quarterbacks have. Like you rem- like pretty much if you watch NFL films, that that would be up there with the uh, the the Joe Montana to. John Taylor, eighty nine. Yeah, um, no, you're absolutely uh, the, right. The, the tight end in the end zone. Oh, you're talking. About, oh, the, um, the catch. Oh, you're talking about Dwight Clark. Dwight Clark. Yeah, you know what though? But it, it, and, and and I'm sure a lot of people were you know were saying that if that makes that catch, it's like we love we love net numbering catches here um, for for big uh, moments for the 49ers. D- disclaimer, catch disclaimer. The, the the Chiefs would still have about over a minute left still. in the clock if they if they catch that ball and score a touchdown. And True. But it, but I think that I, and, and that's true. And, it would have been I, great theater. It would have been great theater. But I think that right there, that touchdown, if they were able, if the Niners were able to capitalize on that touchdown, I think that right there might have given the defense, the Forty Nineers defense, a little bit more of a, of a boost that to be able to go out there and try to close this thing out. Because let's face it, there's been plenty of times this year where the offenses had to rely on the defense to bail them out of jail. This one was one of those times where the off the defense is pretty much was on the field for a longer drive. So those 21 unanswered points, um, a lot of those were long extended drives. So the defense was running, you know, pretty much running on fumes. So I think really if they could have the guy, if the Niners could have got that score, gave the defense, a, their defense a little bit more of a rest, then it might be, it could have possibly been a different story. What do you think about the idea and the narrative that's out about the Niners defense losing that game? You know, and I'll say this. The defense played their asses off the entire game. I mean, you want to talk about 21 unanswered points? I understand all that. But you wouldn't have been in that position to pretty much have the game won for you with seven minutes to go if that defense doesn't just clamp down on, on uh, Kansas City's offense. They, they gave up 10 points, like I said, in about 50 minutes or something like that, 50-51, which is – unheard of against the Andy Reid uh, offense, really against that Kansas City Chiefs offense. Um, I just think that it was one of those times where the defense really just ran out of gas and trying to save the def- save, save the offense, save the game for them. Yeah, KC, they won the time of possession battle 33 minutes to 20, about 
26, 27 minutes. See that right there. And so, yeah, the, the defense was on the field. They played a lot of the game. I uh-huh. I don't like the narrative. I don't like the idea the defense that, lost the, that game defense lost the game no. because they they no. gave up 10 points. And going into the game, if, if anybody said that the Niners would score 20 points and win uh-huh. – I'm pretty sure 99.9% of people would have told you that that was a lie. I was on record plenty of times. Every time someone asked me what was my what was the final score for me, I always said 35-28 because I th- always thought the Niners needed to score over 30 points to beat this team. Yeah. And I thought the defense was good enough that they could, if they can keep them under 30 points, uh, the Niners' defense, if they were able to keep Kansas City's offense under 30 points, they had a great shot. It, it, if, even if they gave up 29, the yeah. 49ers, if they could, have, I've always felt if they could have kept them under 30 they were going to win that game because I thought the offense did had enough juice to give me at least 35, 30 to 35 points. Yeah, and that was that was the tough part about it was that the, the offense, they really didn't put enough points up, in my opinion. Um, and, and then even sure. down, yeah. down the line at the end of the game, there were some questionable calls. Um, I, I thought when Kyle Shanahan should have been running the ball, he was throwing it, throwing yeah. it on second, second and down, second so, and five. Yeah, like, yeah. why? Yeah, no, no. That um, you had you you had that situation. You also have the um, you have the offense that pretty much you know was kind of up and down for the game. Forty ers offense was pretty much up and down on the game. I mean, you, you know, you could you can go back and say the off the wide receivers didn't do too much. If the Niners would have won that Super Bowl, uh, the the MVP could have gone to possibly Debo Samuel, who was just all you know, basically having a big game in the first half, and then all of a sudden, you know, was here and there in the second half. But yeah, I, I just I just think that the Forty ers if they could, the defense did not lose that game. The offense, we, like I said, we we can, we were talking about it until we were blue in the face. The offense needed to score more than thirty. Uh, you know, like they needed to be able to put points on the board. 20 points wasn't going to be enough. Yeah. Before we get into your Super Bowl grades, what were what were the um, the Monday morning headlines that we came up with last week? Oh, man. I honestly thought Raheem Mostert uh, was going to win the MVP. Um, I thought that – I said Mostert carry, you know, Mostert wins the MVP uh, – <laughs> and wins the MVP by carrying the 49ers to the Super Bowl. And – I was so wrong about that. I think I think mine had just it was just Mahomes. Yeah, it, I mean you was... actually you actually it's funny. Um, you go back and listen to uh, last week episode, you or uh, the Super Bowl uh, episode, you will hear that Chris actually yeah he picked Mahomes to be his to he picked Kansas City to win and he picked Mahomes. To I, be his I think MVP. The, I think the, the 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 thing that I'm most proud of from last week is mm-hmm. just saying that Sammy Watkins. Would come up big in that game, and he which did. he did. And he, he yeah. had two of their most explosive plays in the yeah. game. That I think yeah. it was a thirty yarder. Was that the over, first quarter or the second quarter? That was the either the one over Richard Sherman. No, 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 I don't think that was over Richard Sherman. That was just Patrick Mahomes threw the ball deep down the left that side. Was, yeah, that was that was on Richard Sherman. The one in the fourth quarter was that on was on Richard, Richard Sherman. Sherman. Everybody yeah. knew who that was on. Six and 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 and, and Kansas City completed six, compl- six, six for six. 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 Yeah, on, yeah, on Richard Sherman's side. So, I mean, Sammy. Yeah, Sammy Watkins was an X factor. Yeah. And and to be real with you, he was he's honestly he's the slowest out of all the receivers, but he runs like a four three four four still. Yeah. So it it was a good you know when you look at it, it was a decent matchup for Richard Sherman because they were kind of you know both big guys. But Richard Sherman is not. We always we all know he's not the fastest guy. Not, so that's why he be, he beats you he beats you up at the line of scrimmage. He stays on top of you. That's why he's able to you know call himself yeah. a shutdown. But once guy somebody gets past him. It's it's yeah. it's easy to complete a pass on. Once you get that free release and you get you get 
an opportunity to get your momentum and your speed going, he's yeah. not going to be able to. And that's the thing. The Niners weren't playing man bump. They weren't playing man bump bump and run they were playing male man bail where basically it looks like you're they're in man but they're in, immediately as soon as as soon as the ball is hiked they're backing out mm-hmm. so there was really the Niners didn't really press anybody that game Tyreek Hill wasn't pressed Nicole yeah. Harbin wasn't pressed so and for the most part I think throughout the game they did a fairly decent job of limiting big plays outside of the, like the you, 44 yard the 44 yarder that Tyreek Hill was yeah. the biggest play of the game yeah the 44 yarders and the two play the two passes to to Watkins yeah I don't really recall too many other, like, explosive plays. You know, I don't really count the Damian Williams touchdown. Like That right there, to me. That was like the icing on the cake was, play, but it was yeah. just like, uh, I think the Niners, they were selling out on, you know, stopping a run up the middle, and they yeah. just got caught in a bad position. And that's the thing. The Niners have had, and, and it, when you look at the Niners' defense throughout the year, the one place they were really suspect was against the run. They mm-hmm. were like middle of the pack. They were like 14th, 15th uh, against the run. So there are opportunities for teams to kind of get them on the ground. Up the middle, they usually are good. But once they once you were able to get uh, you know outside on them, it's they're 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 susceptible they're susceptible to uh, big big runs. Let's 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 uh let's unpack that a little bit. Let's um sure. let's go into some Super Bowl grades and and let me know just um. How yeah. would you grade the, the the play of the defensive line and the linebackers? Well, the, the defensive line I thought played uh, played played well. I mean, they got they were able to get pressure on Mahomes, uh, Buckner, and uh, Bosa. Uh, DeForest Buckner had two sacks. Uh, Nick Bosa had a sack and a, a forced fumble. Um, I thought, and honestly, I thought that that defensive line actually got for me. They got an A grade. Um, they 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 were pretty much in the game for the entire time, um, causing you know causing some. Some some havoc for Patrick Mahomes. Um, they've they were stopping the run for for the for the most part, but not not until like towards the end of the game. But the defensive line, I thought they played well. Um, I gave them an A. The linebackers, to me, played played good good run support. Um, I gave them a B. Um, I thought that you know well Fred Warner played well. Dre Greenlaw was decent, and and Quan Alexander. I mean, like since he came back, the defense was has played played better. But yeah, I would say the defensive line got an A, linebackers got a B, and the secondary, if we're gonna, if we're, like I said, we're giving letter grade out, I thought outside of that big play to um, Tyreek Hill, they were, they were they were bending but not breaking, so I'm gonna give them a, uh, I'm gonna give them actually a C plus. Yeah, and I think over. What would you give the defense as overall? An overall grade. Overall, I gave the defense, I give the defense a B. I, I, mean, I think that's fair. Yeah, I give them a B because, like I said, they played a B plus because they basically held Kansas City to ten points for fifty minutes. Yeah. And I, I mean even in yeah. your prediction you had them giving up twenty eight points yeah. to the Chiefs. Yeah. I was three points over because uh, Kansas City got that garbage touchdown. But I mean for the most part, twenty four twenty when Kansas City took the uh took their lead to the tra- yeah. Travis Kelsey's touchdown, it was still in the realm of possibility that the Niners, you know, it leads to the to the um, the overthrow to uh, Emmanuel Sanders. But the Niners were still in this game. I mean, the Niners could have, if they could have, you know, finished off the drive with a touchdown, 27-24, Kansas City still has opportunity to maybe go down yeah. for the tying score or take the lead. Yeah. But I still, I still think that the defense, yeah, as an overall, B+. Because what, they didn't score any points in the fourth quarter, right? Uh, the 49ers, no. They had, what, three drives yeah. in the fourth quarter? That mm-hmm. was, I mean – 
you think about it, score three points, have have a drive with the field goal. Just have one drive and with a, free, a field goal, yeah. Or uh, or capitalize on the first half drive where you opened up and kicked yeah. a field goal, or the second half drive where you opened up the third quarter and kicked a field goal. Um, we we talk about this all the time. Field goals aren't going to win games in games that matter. Like you seriously. have to capitalize when you get down the field, and you need to punch it in and get seven. Um, Especially when you when you get when you're getting turnovers off of Patrick Mahomes, who only yeah. threw like five. He threw five interceptions all year, and the Niners were able to pick him off twice in this game. So when you're able to get a guy who barely throws interceptions throughout the season to force him to turnovers. You gotta find a way to put some points on the board off off those guys off those point uh, turnovers. They, they get off the one interception they did, but pretty much when they gotten a turnover, they have not been able. To, yeah. They weren't able to capitalize. And before we segue into the the, the grades for the offense, um, I was actually pretty like I was pretty irritated by by that clip that I tagged you in on Twitter where Richard Sherman was trying to tell guys to calm the fuck down because guys were were celebrating prematurely and thought yeah. they had the game under wraps. Harrison uh, Butker, the uh, the Chiefs uh, place kicker, recently just came out and said that that interception, the, the second interception that the Niners got... Um, Where they went to the... they He said that basically motivated Kansas City to come back and win that game. And this I'll, is the kicker that said... But this is the kicker that said, this is not Patrick Mahomes, yeah. somebody that really matters. Don't get it wrong, the kicker... You only really need a kicker when the game is really on the line... Um, in the closing moments, but for the most part, a kicker saying this, I could it has some has some merit to it. But I thought that the, I mean, really, the, if the Niners were able to s- just get a field goal off of that, then it, their their opportunity, their chances of winning this winning the whole thing went up that much more. Yeah, kind of reminded me there was a play in the game against Seattle, Week 17. I think the Niners had just scored a touchdown and to go up. I think it might have been two possessions. Um, but there was a clip. There's, I forgot who the player was, but the, the camera zoomed in on one of the guys, and you can hear him saying that the game was over, that the AFC West is ours. Like NFC West. And the NFC West is ours. Um, and then the Seahawks came back in that game. Russell Wilson throws a touchdown. And, and then they get uh, to the one-yard line. And in my head, I'm just thinking, like, you know, guys kind of get ahead of themselves during the game, and they yeah. start celebrating, and yeah. they start thinking that they've won the game a little earlier than they should. And that that comes back, and that can come back to bite you, and it, and it did in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, to be real with you, the 49ers, you know, for them to lose in the Super Bowl, it hurts, but it to, to, overall it was a successful season for them. They came off of four. They remember this is a franchise that came off of four straight ten, 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 or lo, ten loss uh, seasons. Four, uh, ten, ten or ten or more losses season. Um, for them to be basically, this is the this is only really the only game this year where the Niners were actually beaten by double digits. Other than that, they've been in every game, and the losses they had, the three losses that they had, were all within the final seconds or within like underneath five points. So this right here is a calamity, but yet it it, 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 it raises um, – it doesn't raise any questions. It just raises more expectations for the team next year because for the majority of them, a lot of these guys are going to come back. But, you know, the NFL is a, is a year-to-year league. So, you know, teams – when the Niners were, were slipping under the radar and beating teams, they won't be able to sneak up on anybody now. I'll have something to say about that in just a little sure. bit. But go ahead and give me your uh, grade for the offensive line play. I think the offensive line play was was okay. I gave him a um, Jimmy G was only sacked one time, was he? Yeah, but the, I mean that. Yeah, he was only sacked one time, or no, twice. I think I want to say he was sacked twice. 
Um, but the running lanes that they were they've been creating where weren't there. One um, one sack for nine yards. Okay, well, well, I was I thought for some reason I thought he had two, but yeah. The Niners had twenty two carries for one hundred forty one yards, average six point four yards a carry. Like they may not have been the same gaping gaps that they had during against Green Bay against yeah. Green Bay, yeah. but I. Uh, I'll say uh, I'll say this: the offensive line, uh, a B. I mean, like honestly, I'm kind of when it, when it comes down to I it. I gotta get that Tom Sula clip. Uh. <laughs> I'll say this though: you know, to be real, to be quite honest with you, I thought the offensive line could have played better. They yeah, yeah, but but for them to only give up one sack against us. You know what? I'm sorry to cut you off, Steve Young. I, you know what? We don't need you on this episode right now. I love you, Steve, but uh, you, you step step out of here for a second. Yeah, yeah, but um, but no, I was but other 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 than that, I would just say that the the, the the offensive line played played well, um, protecting this quarterback. Could have maybe opened a few more l- running lanes up for mm-hmm. the running game, but when you're when you only gave up one sack, you pretty much gave your quarterback your your, your offense a chance to, to score um, every time. Wide receivers, I, wide, I would say wide receiver and tight end. Wide receiver and tight end. Um, overall, I thought they, uh, like I said, I th- I actually thought that they played at a B plus. Um, yeah, B plus, B plus. Because I thought, I mean, really. When it comes to it, Kendrick Bourne had only two catches, but he had he had two big catches uh, mm-hmm. in the game. Um, he had a twenty six yard and a sixteen yarder. Yeah, Debo Samuel was basically you know the Niners' best uh, receiver. I mean, he had five catches, but he was cool. their best receiver and running back. But yeah, I mean, because he play, <laughs> honestly, the guy plays like a running back in a wide receiver's body. I didn't I tell you I was like I think he's their best runner. Like their their best yeah, running back. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look at it. I mean, the Niners have a stable of running backs, but when it comes down to it, pound for pound, I love me some Debo Samuel when he when he when he when he runs the ball in the open field. He looks for contact. He looks to run guys over. Receivers would would shy away from him. Uh, would shy would shy away from from that type of contact. But I think honestly, George Kittle four catches for thirty six yards. Um, the pass interference, the offensive pass interference uh, call, it's still debatable. I mean, you could say that it was a pass interference call on on George, um, but if if you're gonna if, if you're gonna say that, but you need to go back to the the, 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 the playoff the Saints game and the Viking game. game, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Call but, that. but what I'm saying is, like everybody said that that was a pass interference that wasn't called. It wasn't called, yeah. which you know there there's, you know there's fans on the fence. I, I mean, there's fans on both sides of the fence, right? So there are fans mm-hmm. that are saying that that was a pass sure. interference, like. I thought it was a pass interference, but I also like. There are sometimes there are points in the game where I don't mind if a call isn't made. Mm-hmm. Like in that situation, also like, where was that? Because the play was off the one yard line, right? The uh, the play to Kittle. Yeah, no, no, no the, the 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 Vikings and Saints play. Oh yeah, it was one yard line. Adam yeah, Thielen yeah, yeah. got that catch before, right? Yeah. So if you're playing, if if that play Down is at the happening, line, yeah. if that play is off of the one or two yard line, mm-hmm. then. That guy might still be within five yards. That's and that and that's the gray area. There. That's the, the nuance to it, right? Because uh-huh. I think George Kittle, he's way down the field. And to me, like I was, I was of the opinion that it was the right call. Like when when the catch was made, I actually was I, like I was watching the game, and I was saying eh, that's that's a pass interference. Yeah. And like I was actually watching it with the guy from HP who was like jumping up and down like he was like he was celebrating I was like bro they about to call the PI like Yeah I and and I was pro- honestly I was I was probably uh, jumping over at the same time as, as as your friend because I when I saw it live I th- honestly I thought Jimmy made a beautiful throw that yeah. was honestly probably throughout the entire game 
that was probably the best throw of the game. And, and Kittle didn't even need to push off to make that. Yeah, catch. Like, it, it was such a good throw that, yeah. like, uh, the, the guy he was reaching out, like, uh, if anything, I thought he was trying to maintain stride for stride. Like, and then there's a lot of hand fighting that goes Sorkson. on. We know that. Yeah, and yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, and like I had mentioned, we talked about it, was that the, the, the DB, he didn't even look back. No, he didn't. You're and, right. And yeah. so the thing is, I, I mean, it's not a PI because he didn't make contact with with the the receiver mm-hmm. um he didn't like impede or obstruct like his his path to the ball sure. yeah and so i think like if if george kittle just maintains his stride he's gonna have an easy catch oh there's no question about maybe it. it's a little bit more contested without him pushing off but, but we, he's gonna make that catch he's a beast he's a beast he has some of the softest hands at a tight end so i'm thinking again that was, I mean, you could, like I said, you could split hairs. I mean, pass interference, offensive pass interference, defensive, whatever. I mean, it was it was a pass interference. But that throw, again, that throw was probably the best throw of the game that yeah. did not require an offensive pass interference call. I will say I don't know if I agree with your receiver grades because just looking at the box score, they had 14 catches for about maybe it might have been like 150 yards. Kyle Juszczyk had three catches for 39 yards and the only touchdown that was caught true and and then there at that point there that's where you, i'm surprised kyle Yushek didn't get much more uh love after that I but mean, i guess i guess if we're going to call it wide receivers and tight ends you can consider Yushek a tight end because that's what he is he's a tight end he, he was a tight end in college and he was drafted and became a fullback yeah and, and I, like i said i mean uh Oh, forget it. I mean, really, I mean, outside of one touchdown, they the, the receivers as a collective got us. I mean, a B, a B minus C. I would feel more comfortable with a C plus, but it's not about me, man. It's, it's your grade, your assessment on this. I would say, honestly, like I said, a, a B minus C plus uh, around okay. that range. I mean, okay. the, the re- reason being, I mean, the reason why I can, I'll bump it to a B minus more so because Debo Samuel pretty much. If he would gotten you know, him or him and George Kittle, if they gotten a couple more maybe opportunities to make plays, it would have been a different outcome towards the game. Um, to be, I mean, really, both guys, uh, the, the the Niners receiving core as a whole, didn't make enough plays for them to 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 win the championship. I mean, running game could be one thing, but you needed, you know, if Jimmy G is going to drop back and throw thirty one times and he only completes he completes twenty of them. A couple of those passes need to be a little bit more on target, um, and it, we probably will have. It would have definitely been a different outcome. What do you? Th- what you think about the running back play? I think the running back play could have been a little bit better. Um, I thought that a C overall was a C grade for a them. C. Yes. The reason being, I mean, you take Debo Samuel's uh, fifty-three rushing yards out of it, you only have two. They only had two running backs that actually got carries you had 12 from Raheem Mostert five from uh from Tevin Coleman at 17 you had uh Raheem's 58 yards and Tevin Coleman was 28 yards it's only 86 yards rushing right there between two guys with a touchdown they had Jeff Wilson active they had uh, Matt Breida active Matt Breida didn't even get a carry so Jeff Wilson had one catch for um for 20 uh for 20 yards but other than that he wasn't a part of the ground game so that's why I say a C, a C, a C grade for the uh, for the running backs. Okay, so dig this, man. Like when I'm looking at the the San Francisco rushing box score mm-hmm. in the Super Bowl, they had 22 carries for 141 yards, 6.4 yards a carry. When you look at their box score against the Packers, mm-hmm. they had 42 carries for 285 yards, 
Um, 220 of them were by Raheem Mostert. And the average was 6.8 yards a carry with four touchdowns. Okay. There was only one touchdown scored in the Super Bowl, but I think when you look at the average and the, the output by that unit, uh-huh. I think they're fairly similar. I don't I don't know if I if I, I agree with that grade that you're giving the, the running backs. Uh, again, I, the reason being is because it's only two. It was only two running backs when you have four active on game day. If we're going to use all four for some reason, why not? I mean, Debo Samuel again. He had three catches for fifty three yards. Yeah, you take you that, got me. You got me. Good point. You good take point. that. You take those numbers out, and then it's it pretty pretty much the running game was just mediocre to be real with you yeah i think you know what yeah that's a very good point because if you take debo samuel out the equation they have 19 carries for 88 yards it, you take and of course you take take jimmy g's two yards up out of there too <laughs> again no we're, if we're 17 sh- 17 for 84 86 86 that's why i'm saying like if we're strictly talking about running backs here the running backs didn't do enough to uh to to get the job done. But whose fault is that? Like who? Seventeen carries is it their fault that they only got seventeen? carries? No, it's not their fault. Again, it goes back to the, the to play calling. I mean, I love Kyle Shanahan, but there are certain opportunities where second, yeah, you're almost averaging five yards a carry. I mean, with four point nine yards a carry, that's pretty. That is pretty good. That's like I I think the 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 benchmarker for yards per carry is 4.5 would you say four or four yards for, good, 4. For, for most running backs should average about and, four and, a half. and i mean maybe lorenzo neal says this all the time like when you run the ball you want 3.5 yards a carry because you get three and a half yards a carry on each down you're gonna get ten and a half yards and get a first down it's funny it's and i'm glad you said that because i can counter i can counter this by saying michael Irvin um last week leading up to the super bowl uh or two uh yeah Two weeks ago, excuse me, leading up to the Super Bowl, basically it said that when you get on on defense, on defense, five yards rushing seems like a loss to the defense, mm-hmm. but five yard a five yard completion is a win by the defense because they fear they fear the running game when when running game gets gets five yards off the first carry. Defense. That's when defense you know you got a problem. Out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so there you go. Niners pretty much averaged almost five yards a clip in the Super Bowl, but they didn't. But those yards felt kind of empty. Yeah, you know because it only, you only because they were they've been it's scoring touchdowns. Like, it's almost like getting hit with a good jab when you're just like, oh shit! Like you're a little stunned, but you yeah. could, but you're able to take that though. Yeah, like back you know maybe. But over time, like if you keep getting hit with that jab, first, in the first round you could take those jabs. Uh, eight nine rounds. It's starting. To, it's starting, starting to fuck with you. Starting yeah. to mess with you. Right? Exactly. So I think really with the Niners, they really didn't have that, you know, that serious gut punching run that they've been known for. Yeah. Throughout the season, they didn't have that big big run like they've been having at every level um, where the wide receivers, the tight ends, everybody's in unison to block. They didn't have that in the Super Bowl. So I think that really, that pretty much kind of handicapped them. To really, to really explode on uh, Kansas City on the ground. All right, that's great stuff, man. What about the guy, Jim, James Garoppolo? James Garoppolo. He wasn't Jimmy this weekend, man. He was James. Oh, well, James, I'll say this about James. Um, <laughs> I'll say this. What a time to have one of your – probably one of your worst games as a 49er quarterback. But for him to – and I'll say this. His grade – 
didn't play well. He did throw a touchdown, threw two interceptions, but one, of, but that last interception, of course, was a hail mary. Overall, I'm giving Jimmy G a B minus. I'm giving him a B minus. Let me tell you why. And before you, Joe, I, in my mind, I was thinking, I was like, Joe, you got to give him at best a C plus. I'll say a B a B minus and C plus are the same damn thing. You might as well, the re, see. Look, you want you want to see a C plus by his name, a B minus. It, it 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 all it all boils down to it. Let me tell you because he did. Yeah, he there there he probably like I told you he probably had the best throw of the game, the best throw of the game that turned out to be a pa- uh, offensive pass interference. Okay, he could have been in rhythm a little bit better if he was in rhythm. They win this game, I believe, hands down. Man, if it was a fifth, we would all be drunk, Joe. Speaking of that, where's the uh? <laughs> so you tried to, you thought I was babysitting, man. You asshole. Not this week, buddy. But I'll say this though, Jimmy G. Yeah, I mean, you're you're justified in 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 bringing up his salary because he should have played a little. He should have played better in the biggest stage. I'm for me as a as a Niner fan, I'm not used to going to the Super Bowl and leaving that trophy on the table. These this is the second loss. Uh, in the last six years for the Niners in the Super Bowl, okay? I'm not used to this. I mean, as a, like I said, Niners get to the Super Bowl, usually it's always guaranteed they're walking away with the trophy. Last, the last two times, it's either been a quarterback um, issue where four, like, in, against the Ravens, Colin Kaepernick, how many times we try to uh, find Michael Crabtree? Didn't that work. Weak-ass fade. Exactly. And then if you go back and look at some, and if you go back and look at one of the, um, the, the, the third down play, there was a wide open ro- a hole that Cap could have ran through, or yeah. Frank Gore. Yeah, apples and oranges. I don't care about that anymore. Yeah, Jimmy G. Jimmy G. Here could have, like I said, missed some throws. The 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 big throw to Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, we everybody's going to debate about that one because that was the Super Bowl Super Bowl moment throw that he should have made. Um, he up there the eyes the closed eyes interception right there i think he probably was trying to throw the ball out of bounds but did a bad job on that one um they like the the final drive that uh the niners had the tipped passes man tipped passes but also and i think honestly this year um in the offseason i think he's going to correct a lot of this stuff here um decision making and as a matter of fact we were talking about this decision making um presence in the pocket he needs to create uh correct a lot of that stuff I just thought that for him to throw the ball 31 times, I thought that was a bit much after he only threw it eight times in the NFC Championship game. So I thought uh, a C plus B minus. Give I'll, him that. I'll give him one more year. I, I'll there, get, oh, I he's going into C, he's going into 2020 as a starter. They're, C plus, they're, they're not going to get rid of him. C plus. I mean, in terms of like just when you look at him and Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes didn't have the greatest game. He. I would say maybe like a B, B minus, but I think the thing he has on top of Jimmy G is that he rushed for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Jimmy G, I don't, I don't know, and I have this debate with people all the time. He's 28, 29? 28. 28. So he's, I think he's in his fifth or sixth year in the league. But this is his first full year starting. See, but that don't, I don't think that changes why what you do. Why? That doesn't change what you do during training camp. I mean, you Wait. probably get reps with the starters. You get all these different things, right? But yeah. you're... This is the first time. This is the first year that he's been fully healthy, and he actually played a f- entire year and got and basically knew the full entire playbook. So for him to for for him to, you know, people say, oh well, you know, uh, 
Jimmy G's been in the league for like five, six years. He's a veteran. He should know this. This is the first time the guy has actually started a full the, season, the, man. The thing is that that like once you're in your fifth and sixth year of the league, I don't know how much you're supposed room, to fall right out of bed and, and be able to start and uh, take a team to the Super Bowl. Oh, Jimmy much, G just did. That. I don't know how much room there is for growth. <laughs> After a guy's fifth or sixth season, Tom Brady is Tom Brady's been in the league for 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 hundred years and he's still growing. The, the wrong guy, way, it, it, but still he these guys are still. You're, you're telling me you're telling me as a quarterback, five years in the league, you should be basically knowing everything. Like there should be no think, mistakes. I mean, when when Tom Russell Brady Wilson is still having still has issues too, and he's been in the league longer than Jimmy G. So 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 tell me so tell me like we we all grow we all learn every something new every damn day. So you're telling me that Jimmy G should be a just a f- perfect quarterback there with no fl- with, with minimal flaws. At this point in at this point, this, in, at at this this point in, in your career. career, things you work on are little mechanical things. Okay. They're not like if you pass the eye test, the the, the proverbial eye test. Okay. Then you pass the eye test. Like if you passed it this year, mm-hmm. then you're not going to fail it next year, right? No, you're not. But there, but there are also. But there, there are cases where that happens because I think Derek Carr, just going back to that, like he, okay. passed, like I actually watched some, like his highlights from that year where they went to the playoffs. Does he pass? Okay, does Derek Carr ever pass the eye test? Did he ever? That pass was the, the one year he passed the eye test, and then after that, he just looks like a piece of shit. I think honestly, it more well, you could you could be right there, but I think more so is a guy sometimes like for for if we're gonna just just talk about uh, Derek Carr real quick, I think really since he's gotten hurt. Since he's been hurt a little bit, I think he's had he's starting to have the yips a little bit. Meaning he doesn't like guys around his feet. Yeah, he doesn't like you know one one shot. He feels that that next hit. Might well, be let's it. not let's not turn this into a Derek Carr, Carr conversation. But, but Jimmy, I, I get what you're saying. But I Jimmy get what you're G, saying, yeah, yeah. But Jimmy G himself, we'll just get back to Jimmy G. I will say this: he definitely there's a lot more that he can work on. But this is he's going into year. He'll be in the year two fully under. Kyle Shanahan's playbook. Yeah. So the coaching, the system, like all that, I think he he should he's going to be expected to master. So again, they just lost the Super Bowl, and of course, the expectations of next year are going to be even higher. So that means it's going to be more pressure on him to really raise his game because you can say that he makes twenty seven million, but the Niners are only paying him like about four or five million next year. So they really have gotten again friendly deal for a guy that on a team that still has a lot of talent that can be one of the better teams in the NFC next year. He's got to be better than than he's got to 27 touchdowns, 12 he's interceptions. He's got to jump into the top 10. He's okay. the eighth highest paid quarterback in the league. So I don't think his results are commensurate with what he's getting paid. Matthew Stafford is still makes more money than him, but yet Matthew Stafford doesn't has made hasn't won a playoff game. I'm not talking about Matthew Stafford. Matthew you're talking Stafford, about you're talking about eighth highest quarter. You're talking about quarterbacks that are making more money than him and 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 Matthew Stafford. But that well, guy. how is he relevant? He didn't make the playoffs. So we don't. We don't. We don't. Guy, quarterbacks we don't, who make the most discuss, money should be making teams. I get that, but we don't the discuss the Lions on a week in and week out basis. <laughs> like I don't even care about the Raiders, but we we talked about them this season because they were local. Okay. Like we're not going to sit here and talk about like Matt Stafford. I get it. Stat Patford, whatever whatever you want to call him, right? <laughs> he he gets paid. I think he's a top ten quarterback, though. I think like he's. I think the gap between his performance and the you know and and the, the amount that he gets paid is okay. is smaller than the gap between how much Jimmy G makes versus where he ranks amongst NFL quarterbacks. And I think honestly, I think the reason why a lot of people jump on Jimmy G's salary is because he was given that money early. He didn't earn it. And and, and I think and, and I can understand that, but 
you're willing to wait where you're going to overpay for a guy when you know you're going to have other guys. To and, and see, no, no, that's the thing. I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with how they approached that situation. Okay. Right? And so the thing that I want to point out is I'm not, I wouldn't be patient with Jimmy G in terms of progress over the years, growth, all these okay. different things. Because if we're paying him, we're paying him because we know he's the guy. And so if he's the guy, then he should have been that guy when it was time to win the Super Bowl. Okay. And, yeah. and that's the thing, like, in, in terms of, like, we had talked, like, you had mentioned earlier about the overall season being a success. I, yeah. I don't know how I feel about that because wait, wait, I wait, feel wait, like wait. over the course of the season, okay. expectations change. Okay. Well, I hear, okay, I hear that. That's, that's a valid point. That's a very valid point. Once you, once you start tasting the wind and you start stacking the wins, I hear that. I hear what you're saying. Expectations may change. But, yeah. It's a gut punch that you lose in the Super Bowl, but this team, again, coming off four straight seasons of 10 or more losses to get within, you know, uh, 10 more minutes of the Super Bowl? Y'all going to have a snowball effect coming, man. Y'all going to have to franchise Eric Armstead. Uh-huh. Y'all gonna have to start paying some guys, and, and that's the thing. The way that the and, and and everything you're saying is very valid because every team goes under changes. Yeah. Look, Kansas City's got 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 free agents of their own. They've got Chris Jones, their best defensive tackle, who's an unrestricted free agent, who more likely is going to get tagged. So I mean, really, with the Niners, these are three top free agents right here, real quick. Buckner, oh, excuse me, Armstead, War, Jimmy Ward, and and um, Emmanuel Sanders. More than likely, Emmanuel Sanders won't come back because he's due eleven million dollars next year. That's not happening. They're not going to get. They're not going to pay him that. Even they may restructure whatever. Quad Alexander just got his contract restructured. Speaking of restructuring, but the four, uh, excuse me, Eric Armstead. I I want him to get new money. Will they? Will are they going to return to the Super Bowl next year, Joe? Uh, yes. I'm gonna say that right now. I mean, the NFC is tough, but I think with the core that they have in place, and it really just boils again. It boils down to in, you know staying healthy. They have they still have the they still have the pieces to make another Super Bowl run. Well, what's the stat on on the teams that lose the Super Bowl? I think five Super Bowl was it five teams that have have lost the Super Bowl and have come back the next year and, and won come it. Come back the next year. And yeah. Um. So it has happened where I don't know. Man. It, it can it, it can happen. Um. And it really get, but again, I think it all it, it, it's really this this off season is going to be huge for Jimmy G. This off season is going to be huge for a lot of teams, and, yeah. and the thing is, I don't know, like they're going to be in the best conf, the, the the best division in football. The NFC West is going to be tougher next year because everybody from top to bottom, even the Cardinals, who finished uh, dead last, the Cardinals. Kyler, Mur- Kyler Murray. The Cardinals off. are going to become a, nem- uh, a, a nemesis for you guys. Perfect and like word. that fly on the wall. There you go, Chris. Because even if they're not that good, uh-huh. like Kyler Murray. He's got spe- he's got some special talent. he got some specialness to him. Like he's he is starting, a special he's player. He's 0-2 against you guys, but like. He makes every game tough. And that's the thing about Kyler Murray. I think really – and I'm sure, I'm sure you wish he was he was part of the A's outfield right now. But it's still not out the picture, man. It's still, it's still you know. <laughs> so, so let me get this straight. You gonna, you gonna, you gonna he wants to play baseball. So, so, so you and I are gonna be in a game in in in, in June or something like that. All of a sudden, we're gonna see Kyler Murray running. I don't, I don't know, field. man. I don't know if he's good enough to make it out the minors there, bro. He he might be playing AAA. I mean, you know, because because I think we were talking about we were talking about uh, Kyler Murray about how he has like 
Ricky Henderson type speed out there if he plays in the outfield. If he if he eventually comes back and play ball. But to be real with you, I think the Cardinals will be a tough you know, they will be a tough team in the division. The Seahawks, who has like about maybe 10, 15 more million dollars in cap space than the Niners, they're going to be around. They split those. The Niners split those games with them. The Rams, even though the Niners swept them, the Rams were a tough out this year. Um, it all boils down to what if Todd Gurley will ever become be the same player again. I think. I think, man, my favorite to come out the NFC next year is the Seahawks. I, 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 for some reason, I just really like that team. If their running backs can stay healthy, that's an and, and that's a very good point because their running back, their whole running back room just took a hit where they were up there relying on Marshawn Lynch to come back and save the day, and he almost did. He almost did, but but no, you that's a good that's a good pick because he, he should have won the NFC West for them. They had it on the one, and it was the second time in Pete, in Pete Carroll's career that he couldn't get the job done on one. <laughs> I'm sorry for the delay of game that pushed you back five yards, Pete. Man, <laughs> that's the reason that was why. Terrible. <laughs> That was terrible, bro. And, and, and I think that DK Metcalf, 58 receptions, 900 yards, I, seven touchdowns. He's a beast. I love him. And He's it, a beast. I'll say that. 6'4", 229. I'll say this. The teams that passed up on him, they're they're they're, they're reconnect- Really, Philadelphia. A, second round? Second round? He was a second or third or second second rounder. Second rounder. And he absolutely exploded. Remember in that, t- in that playoff game against the Eagles, he absolutely exploded against them. Um He's to me is just going to continue to get better. Matter of fact, this rookie class is, it'll be another. Uh, matter of fact, it'll be another podcast. We need to re- revisit this this past rookie class of all the play, especially a wide receiver. Yeah. It seemed like every just about every rookie wide receiver um, for for a playoff team or a team that's been where it's competitive made an impact. Yeah. So I think really, yeah, Seattle is a is a sexy pick for you coming out the West. Um, I think them and the Niners, are, I think that rivalry is back. I would also, I would also just be interested to see how Green Bay does with Aaron Rodgers in his second year under Matt Lafleur. Honestly, I'm really interested to see if, well, that too. But also, if you're trying to talk about Green Bay, their defense because they were called out after that NFC Championship game. They were talking about they weren't prepared to play. They should have left early. Their coach pretty much. Matt LaFleur basically just ethered the whole defense saying that we were playing soft, we did this, we did that. And they spent all that money on them, them dudes. Yeah, uh, Preston Smith and uh, Zadarius Smith, they ing- they upgraded there. Yeah. They, they ended up um, helping out, you know, drafting some guys in there. Uh, Darnell Savage, I love Darnell Savage. But, but yeah, I think Green Bay next year is going to be it's gonna be interesting to see how they uh, rebound from, from the playoff loss. Yeah, but uh, so, so, so you think the Niners are going to come out the NFC? I know I – s- I- Go ahead. I know. I I I still believe in 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 Lynch and Shanahan. I think they're gonna. Get, I mean, I think they're going to find a way to get this team back to the uh, back to Super Bowl, and they're gonna and, and they're gonna win it. I, I believe. All right. Uh, the 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 odds after the game had Kansas City being the, a, a six six to one odds on favorite what to you win think the about Super them? Bowl. You think that? that yeah, that's man. Solid? If if Patrick Mahomes is healthy. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a thing in the world that could stop him from from scoring when he wants. Well, if he has another dislocated kneecap at any point of the year, I told, I tried to tell your boy Larry, man, if if, if y'all wanted to win, I mean, if, if the Niners want to win, they need to hurt that boy, and they didn't. So they were, and, and that's the thing. Going just going back to the Super Bowl, they they were they were hitting him. They didn't hit him enough. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Hey, what's his the on the sneak where it looked like he got smacked? 
Yeah, the ball that was flew out. that was Jimmy Ward. He uh, tried, a free, a free he agent. tried to he tried to yeah decapitate that's, that and that's what, and that's what I'm saying. Like, he, and the thing was, the hit wasn't as hard as it looked in real time because he was kind of sliding to the ground. Yeah, and then he kind of just got him at the last minute. Oh yeah. Um, but it was a bang bang play. Like I thought, I was like, that might be the hit that wins the Niners the Super Bowl. And, and that's what I'm saying. <laughs> and Jimmy Ward is one of those key free agents that they have, number twenty, and he's the one that absolutely just knocked Patrick Mahomes for a loop. But that's because, hey, Patrick Mahomes was treated as a running back at, the, at that yeah. time. So, yeah, I mean, that was a statement hit. But, yeah, if Patrick Mahomes could stay healthy, Kansas City has still some of the great pieces in place. They got their tight end stay, uh, uh, um, still signed up. Uh, Travis Kelsey is still locked up. Um, Sammy, Walk, uh, Sammy Watkins may may walk or he may restructure his deal. But Nicole Hardman, who they drafted because Tyree, they thought that Tyreek Hill would have been lost for the season. They added another speedster next to Tyreek Hill, who's still under his contract. Who just got who just got rewarded? Nicole Hardman again is still on a rookie deal. They have they they have the pieces in place. Their defense is is, is still going to be good enough to, uh, to 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 keep them in games next next year. We're gonna jump into the Warrior trades in just a second, but before we do that. Uh, no explanation needed. Give me three positions that the Niners need to address in offseason. Oh, definitely. Uh, no, no order. Uh, secondary. Um, you got to, like I said, you got to make a call on uh, Jimmy Ward. No safety. Uh, Jimmy safety. Ward. I think honestly they're fine at corner. I think um, Emmanuel Mosley. If they give him a um, just a futures deal or they just restructure his deal, he stayed. Richard Sherman is still on the other side. You're you're fine at All right, corner. So, say, so we need a safety. Who else do we need? They need a safety. Uh. They need to make a call on Eric, uh, on uh, Eric Armstead, uh, defensive line, and I'm gonna say play. I'm gonna say wide receiver. And they need another. And they need another safety, defensive lineman, and a wide, wide receiver. receiver. Okay. I mean, but the thing is with them though. I agree with that. Yeah, the thing is though, they may actually actually be able to settle the wide receiver in house because Trent Taylor and Jalen Hurd are two guys that they, they, they didn't play for him all year. Yeah. That they're gonna get back, but a name to keep an eye out for, and I'm sure people are gonna probably be like, I don't know. Look for two guys. AJ Green. I knew you were gonna say AJ Green. AJ Green is one guy, and I will also say, look in the draft and the final and, and the Niners possibly. I hope they can, but I don't. I don't think they can. Jerry Judy out of uh, out of Alabama. Another 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 wide receiver that that's like in the mold of uh, of um, of Julio Jones. All I'm right. telling you. All right. So that that wraps up the the Super Bowl talk that we have going. Put on. a bow on it. Um, this week, the Warriors made a trade, sending D'Angelo Russell, Amari Spellman. Who was the other guy? Uh, oh, uh, Jacob Evans. Jacob Evans over to the Minnesota Timberwolves in return for Andrew Wiggins, um, a 2021 first-round pick, and a 2022 first. It was a first-round pick? Uh, protected. Uh, not protected, yeah. Or, no, no, it is protected. Yes, it is. I, I believe how it works is if, if, if that – um, first round pick in twenty twenty one is a top three pick. Yeah, it's protected. Yeah. But if it if it falls out of the top three, it's wherever unprotected. It, it's unprotected, and the Warriors will get it where no matter where um, Minnesota finishes. Yeah. Okay. Um, what are your thoughts on that trade, man? Who do you think got the better end of that deal? I mean, to be quite honest with you, I thought both teams um, did well. I mean, look, the the Timberwolves wanted to get rid of um, Andrew Wiggins. So they gave the Warriors basically included a pick to get him out the building. A lot I think Minnesota just really gave up on Guy because he didn't look like he is ever literally looked like he wasn't you know developing. 
but I, what I like about Andrew Wiggins and and I think it's the he's still what, 25, 26, somewhere around. He's still relatively young. Former former um, rookie of the year. It adds athleticism to a to a Warriors team that desperately needs it. I mean, I love Clay, love Steph, but those guys are not going to just slash you, you know, run right past you to the to the cup like that. And so I think that, so I really believe that he adds uh, another element to their to their team. Um, and I thought that for Minnesota, they got the guy that that Carl Anthony Towns wanted his best friend. Basically, he wanted D'Angelo uh, Russell to come down here and play and come to Minnesota to play with them. So, uh, both guys that barely played really played no defense. Um, Dude's both soft and they're about to be in Minnesota snitching on each other. Exactly, it's going to be camera phones all throughout the locker room. I don't, but, I don't, I don't. I like the trade for Minnesota. I think, I mean, I think positionally it probably set, settles them a little bit better. Um, mm-hmm. They get rid of Wiggins, who wasn't doing. He's the, underachiever Minnesota, right now. Minnesota was like, they were hustling backwards over there. I think my my initial thoughts on the trade were Andrew mm-hmm. Wiggins is coming to a good situation. He don't need to be the guy. He mm-hmm. he don't need to feel like, you know, I was the, that's the, a, that's the, a, that's a good point. the number one pick. Um, I, from what I've heard, from guys who who watched him play a little more extensively is that he can't play defense. Um, I mean, I see potential with his offense. He scores about 20 points a game. Um, You know, my guy Bully said that Harrison Barnes is better than Andrew Wiggins. I don't don't know if you have a thought on that. You know what? I love Bully. I do. But but you don't think he's better than? No, I think he is better than. Uh, I think Harrison Barnes is better than Andrew. Wiggins. Okay, okay. Let me tell you why. Because, I mean, defense from a defensive standpoint, that let's let's start right there. Because because I mean Harrison Barnes, I think he's developed better than the guy that we remember missing those those shots in the finals. Yeah, totally. Andrew Wiggins, I think really with him is that he was just beaten down in in Minnesota, going through coaches, not really uh, fully developed developing but he's durable 400 out of 410 games uh he's wiggins. played wiggins okay he's played, he's played 400 400 of them oh but harris is kind of like a clay yeah, yeah he's very he's durable i think honestly with him i think really with i think he had so much pressure on him to be a franchise altering player that he just never really just developed just naturally yeah he comes to the warriors comes to the warriors to a situation where you got for top flight coaching you got Potential hall, you got Hall of Fame players, pretty much with Steph and. And you have, I mean, not only that, you have a proven system that works. And you don't need to be the man. You don't need to be the man. You and don't need to do you anything out you your comfort zone. And, and and coming into that situation, like when KD came in, he didn't want to change anything about the didn't way love that they playing were playing. Defense. He just wanted to blend in. Didn't like playing defense. All of a sudden, it became had his most blocks in his career. Yeah. Uh, as a warrior. Yeah. yeah, and so that, that I mean, that's the thing. Like no, nobody's saying that. Wiggins is going to be KD. We all know he isn't. Harrison Barnes 2.0 is what I've been hearing. I mean, we'll, it's, that's a wait and see. Like I said, it all goes back to the defense. Yeah. But he he does bring an element and to the game. The thing to me that makes the most sense about this trade is just, and Bob Myers addressed it yesterday, was that it's getting them out of the luxury tax because teams who are in the luxury tax for three out of four seasons have to pay a repeat offender tax of $200, $200 million. And so... It it's it makes perfect dollar for sense. Dollar. Like why yeah. are you gonna why are you gonna stay in the luxury tax during a losing season? Yeah, you're not getting any return on your investment. You're not, you know, from a fan and from a 
you know, from a business standpoint, like you're not putting out a product that's going to generate money for you to be able to pay that $200 million. And so that's, that's a smart, that is a very smart decision right there. Yeah. And and that's the thing. Like if, you know, once, if, if they can prove that they can get back to a point where they're winning championships then you know, yeah, go ahead and shell out whatever cash you need to, to, um, to, to pay guys, even sure. if you're going over the luxury tax. Um, but it makes no sense to do it because your product stinks. Chase Center, the, the tickets are already sold. The tickets, tickets are already sold, sold because they're, they're the, the season ticket holder list or whatever like is that tonight, capacity. Like tonight, they play they play the Lakers. Yeah. So but the thing know. is, if, if you continue to put out the, march out the product that you have right now, people are not going to renew. Um you know, a lot of those tickets are not going to be on resale. Those are going to be tickets that are being sold directly from the Warriors organization, from the box office, and sure. it's going to be harder for them to sell tickets. And so that's the thing that they're trying to keep in mind is that just <clears throat> from a fiscal sense, they need to be able to not overspend during a season that they're not good. I mean, those are val- that's a valid point. I mean, let's face it, like – I think really, the season ticket holders kind of kind of had a you know, kind of were almost you know alerted by this is what this was going to be a trying season, and I think really they thought that maybe Clay excuse me Steph Curry was going to play even with all the injuries with that around the team, he messes up his hand, and look at it they're pretty much having Kai Bowman. Uh, D'Angelo Russell, before he was traded, was the, the, the Draymond Green. They were like the, the the players that people were coming to see. Glenn Robinson the third. So you're right. They went ahead, basically rebooted or rebooting this year. Um, they were able to trade. They were trade Russell to get a uh, a, a younger player too, a guy that's a, they used to be a former a former rookie of the year. They with Andre Iguodala signing with the Heat, they get that seventeen point two million dollar trade exception that they can use that 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 is offsets off the cap. They it, it won't even it won't even worry about uh, their their uh, their salary cap, and they're able to, in a perfect world, be able to add in Steph and Clay next year with with Wiggins, who is owed ninety four million over the next three years, which is a you know, that's another reason why people up there kind of were were a little hesitant with the with the claiming that the Warriors won this trade because of that contract, but you've got a guy that if he if he's able to develop correctly with this franchise, he could definitely be a a, a really high price third option. <laughs> but he's a guy that I think that they want to see they see as a building block because you got to think about it. Clay just turned thirty. Today is actually Clay's birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, Clay turns thirty. Steph is uh, pretty much the old man in the room now. Thirty-two. He's thirty-two. Draymond Green, I believe, is just hitting thirty as well, or he'll be thirty this year. So they're looking at this as possibly, you know, a guy that they see as a franchise cornerstone. After once you start transitioning from uh, this core that the Warriors have currently, so I think I think really if the Wiggins trade, I like it. I, did, I was kind of I was a little you know a little harsh on it because of the money coming back, but for the Warriors to be able to get assets along with it because Minnesota was that desperate to trade uh, Andrew Wiggins, I think it's a, like I said it's a win win for both teams. You got like I said there's a fresh air in Minnesota and a fresh air in the Warriors locker room too. What do you what do you expect from them from the rest of this season? You know what? Let's see. With 30 more games left, it's crazy because the season's. <laughs> 
it's not even an All Star All Star break be next next week, but it's already they got thirty games left. I still think the Warriors are still going to probably five and twenty five. I think I really, really, I think really at this point, it doesn't really make any sense for them to win more, multiple games. I think this is like the preseason to the preseason for Andrew Wiggins to just try to acclimate him into like playing that warrior style of basketball, get him into. He's going to be their best offensive player until it, Steph gets back. We that is, That's just no question about it. Get him it. into the habit of just working that three-man weave at the top of the key, getting uh-huh. him the ball on the back cuts, and, Hip- and, and making him – work more to get the ball in a position where he can score as opposed to him with the ball trying to score on his own. Yeah. I, that's what he's accustomed to. And that's the thing. I think with this team, too, and I, and I really believe with um, – and I believe with Draymond Green, I think really him and Draymond Green, that relationship, that has to get that had, that has to get off to a good start, I think, with the, between those two. Because, you know, Dray, Draymond Green considers himself the – the basically the tough guy cop in the, in the Warriors in the Warriors locker room. So everybody, you know, he basically is toughening up people, telling them like, "Look, we need you to we need you to play as good defense as, as, as you possibly can, work as hard as you possibly can." So I think really with that, um, the the relationship building with Draymond Green is really going to be impro- important because I think once Clay and Steph come back, I think that will actually be a little bit easier for uh for andrew wiggins to uh, to adjust but i think really like i said the most important thing over the rest the rest of the season is just that it's just develop a camaraderie um just get get yourself knowing into the system and and just really try to re um rebrand your image because basically pretty much we know that andrew wiggins has has been an underachiever um pretty much since he's been in the league all right, man, that pretty much wraps up the sports segments that we have going for today, man. To Today we're going to have a special segment um, because um, Friday is Valentine's Day. Ooh, it is Valentine's Day this Friday coming up. So do we, uh, so let's see here. What is it that you believe is... The must-haves. This is a, a, a new segment, Take 5. And we got for you the top five Valentine's Day must-haves for the perfect date. Chris, go ahead and start us off now. Well, I think, I mean, it always kind of depends on what your situation is. So I'm married. I have a wife. And so we're more in tune with each other's needs in terms of, like, you know, each other's love language. Sure. Um, everybody has a love language, and so I think it's important for anybody who is in any phase, whether it's a situationship, whether it's a relationship, whether it's your you know, 30th date versus your second date, it's mm-hmm. important to understand what it is from your partner um, that makes them feel appreciated. Sure. And so when we talk about love languages, it pretty much breaks down into five different love languages. You have people who enjoy spending quality time with another with one another. Um, some people like physical touch. That's cuddling, amongst other things. <laughs> um, acts of service. So that could be, you know, just doing things for other people, whether it's just, I don't know, giving somebody a ride somewhere or just... You know, random things that you can do as an act of service to somebody else. Some people genuinely like gifts. Sure. Um, and others like words of affirmation. Um, 
words of affirmation, yeah. What do you what do you think about that, man? I think honestly, words of affirmation just basically mean that you know, well, just that uh, that whole love language. I mean, a lot of people probably five of those. I'm sure there's three of them that I definitely would like to pre- you know, feel like I I can you know get with uh, quality time, physical touch. Words of affirmation, basically knowing that you are in that person's corner, that person's in your corner, you love that person, you basically worship the ground they walk on, and and you're willing to basically conform, you know, meet them in the middle, conform, conform with them, um, accept their flaws, and and you accept theirs, uh, they accept yours. But I've always felt that words of affirmation just really, I think, is important in this one. Um, quality time is always going to be, you know. I think it's up there. I think really quality time is the first one. And then maybe words of affirmation is definitely, uh, they go hand in hand. Because, I mean, after that, physical touch, acts of service, that all basically can all, all uh, roll together. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm a fan of, I'm a fan of those, definitely. I think, and I think, um, so the different things that we've talked about kind of fall under different love languages. So when you talk about flowers and chocolate covered strawberries those and gifts, yeah. balloons, all those different things. Yeah. Those are all gifts. Right. So mm-hmm. it kind of depends like, you know, not every, you know, not every, um, you know, person that you date is going to appreciate those type of things. Yeah. So um, would you say reservations to his or hers, uh, favorite restaurant would be something that acts of service then? That would be great. It would probably be an act of service or, or even yeah. quality time. Or quality time. Quality okay. time because some people just enjoy the idea of um, it's, it's not necessarily the dinner per se, but sure. it's it's being able to sit down and enjoy a meal while having a conversation with that person, right? Right. Um, so that's that's something that can go under quality time, mm-hmm. Valentine's Day, physical touch. I think we kind of all know <laughs> where where that can go with uh, with, with your significant other um you know uh <laughs> if somebody's into uh the gifts i guess you could put rose petals on the bed and and probably say some nasty shit as words of affirmation you know what i have not eh, now rose petals that's the only thing about rose petals they're so damn hard to clean up <laughs> like you're not you're like you're definitely not going to pull the uh the vacuum cleaner with a little you know to dust them up, but you're definitely. Uh, I know rose petals are so hard to clean yeah. up, dude. And you got to be careful with the flowers too, because I think roses can be really cliche, especially during Valentine's yeah. Day. So you got to be really Flip it up careful with the, with, the, with flowers. You got to figure out what type of flowers your, your your woman likes. I've heard definitely like tulips are really tulips. Good. Uh, my, my, Carnations. My wife's my wife's personal favorites are stargazer lilies, so I tend to get her those whenever okay. I get her flowers. Um, but you gotta, you gotta figure out what kind of flowers. Yeah, not, yeah, you're right. F- f- roses are, I think, I think they're just a, the, the easy go-to. It's like the McDonald's of flowers. Bro. <laughs> Come on, dog. That's like the Big Mac and fries. Everybody gets it. So you're not going to buy, uh, what is it? Those, uh, those little gift baskets you see on the corner from, uh, from, the, from those, uh, from those salesmen on the, with the tables with the, the stuffed animals. It depends, it depends what they got, man. It, it depends what they, they sell got. roses. So well, I mean. I mean I don't, my wife, she's not really tripping off the stuffed animals, man. She wants she wants some jewelry this year, so I might I you might know. have to. You know what I'm saying? I might have to do something special special as far as like the jewelry. Oh goodness gracious! I can just imagine like when like in high school or or you know or when you're dating, stuffed animals were fun. 
where you know there's yeah. a little you know there's something that they remember. I, you know, you I always felt like that was a little bit more for show. Cause like some some that's a good point. You know, like some some females they like to walk around the school. They like to they like to have it just to be able to. Oh, show you know who other, gave me this, right? Yeah, here. right. And then it's just like <laughs> it, it kind of becomes like a popularity contest thing in high school. Oh yeah, where it's just the bigger like, the bear, the oh god, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. you know, it's 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 interesting. We're all adults now, so it's just like I think is it, in this phase of life, it's mm-hmm. more about actually. You know your interest, your 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 genuine interest in true the other person, um, and yeah, you know what what do you have planned, man? I, man, that's a good question. She she not listening to the podcast this week, is she? Yeah, I don't think she is. All right, we gotta keep that. We gotta keep, keep that. Honestly, dude, I have no plan. I mean, really, it's Friday night. It's a it's Valentine's Day. I mean, I would like to do a little something, but dude, it really comes down to. Really, if I'm feeling like doing anything that night, I mean, you know, to be real with you, it really just boils down. I I, I really feel that Valentine's Day. I mean, it, it's to each his own. Some people go to the, hey, some people actually enjoy hanging out on the, with themselves on Valentine's Day. Maybe go to a movie, or go to or go to a speed date uh, yeah. thing. So, I mean, really, I keep I'm keeping the options open, but I'm all for I'm all for uh, I'm all for a little quality time. Physical touch is always great. Um, I don't know about the rose petals on my bed because, I'm, like I said, I hate cleaning that shit up. Um, but gifts, I think gifts are definitely. Uh, I'm a. I'm a, like if it came down, if a girl wants to give me flowers, I do like tulips. <laughs> I'm yeah, always, yeah. I've always liked tulips. Uh, chocolate colored strawberries. I'm a strawberry fan. Uh, you know, maybe a little Nutella. <laughs> There you go. There you go. My man, keeping it kinky. Yeah, I'm just saying, hey, Nutella, a little, you know, a little, little uh, hazelnut, a little cocoa, I'm good to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. For, for myself, man, I think, uh, I mean, one of the things my wife does a lot is mm-hmm. is, is the acts of service. And she's I'm, so, I'm big on that. She's so cool. I like your wife. Yeah, she's yeah. cool. Man. I'm big on that. Um, the gifts, my wife is really good with gifts. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I always tell her, I was just like, I... You her gift though. She, yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not the hugest person when it comes to gifts because I don't like. I'm not too like material. Like, but she does like a lot of like thoughtful things behind gifts. Like, sure. You know, I, I was on a Lux podcast uh, the the week talking mm-hmm. about like what she did for my thirtieth birthday. She put together like a scavenger hunt that oh, that's had, cool. that included like. Uh, I think it was was it thirty of my friends? I, I don't even think I have thirty friends, but <laughs> pretty much it was a scavenger hunt where I had to call different friends. So I called okay. like Will, I called Bully, I called like you know a couple of friends of mine from college just yeah. to get clues. Um, <laughs> that it, is, it was it was a trip. That's cool. Like she 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 vandalized my car and uh, put uh, <laughs> she didn't vandalize it. She put like the little washable paint all over my car and said like uh, I'm thirty, happy birthday. Like she hit my car up. Um, <laughs> And then we went like she she had organized a group of my friends and we all went to like a, a, a what's it called go karting in uh, Santa Clara go karting what yeah. was it uh, was K one K one okay yeah, yeah. yeah. so we oh K one's fun yeah we did that and, and that's just all I mean like she's in tune with the stuff that I like if it's a gift she knows that I'm not like she don't need to get me a five hundred dollar watch because it's like you know I'm gonna wear it and not even use it I, I'm gonna look, I'm gonna pull my phone out the out of my pocket Who, to check the like, time. I think we, know, all, like... we all do. Even though, I mean, I, I still carry a watch here and there, I think, yeah. but, but but a lot of us are quick with the phone. Like, what time it's an, it's a nicer accessory That's more than true. anything. It, it's more of an accessory than it is a function anymore. Oh, definitely. And, yeah. I, and I mean, and to be quite honest with you, I think 
you know, just just hearing that, that is that is amazing. She's like that's creativity right there. Yeah, yeah. More than anything. So and that's I mean, uh, and, and you could also look at that as quality time because that's I mean, it, may not, it might not be spending quality time with me, but you know that she put time. She and put time and effort into into and, and exactly. Thought. I so, mean, I would I would never have thought of possibly maybe doing a scavenger hunt for someone's thirtieth yeah, yeah. birthday. Yeah, she definitely. I mean, she 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 do her shit when it comes to keeping a player. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know she 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 gets the brownie points there, man. Um, like I said, she's she's wonderful, man. Yeah, yeah. So just you know, special note to y'all. Just um, do what makes you happy. Learn what makes your significant other happy, mm-hmm. and you know, most importantly, just keep a player. Love it. Love each other. Remember that. There it is. Um, you know, we're gonna go ahead and wrap up on that note. Sure. Um, follow us. On Twitter at plugged in pcast. You can follow me at Christy underscore hustle. That's hustle spelled H U S S L E. And you can also follow me at JLHB510. Again, that's JLHB510. And for that, we are unplugged. <laughs>